This is Scott McNamara with What's New in Adapted Physical Education, bringing you another exciting episode. And today we're going to talk uh, with two phenomenal adapted physical educators in the state of Georgia uh, who are working, I believe, hybrid, in person, virtually as well in, in the great state of Georgia. Is it Cherokee County? That's correct, Cherokee All County. All right, I'm doing good. And I have, uh, I have Dave Martinez and Amy Anschbacker. And they're both here today uh, to talk, so they talk about their experience of teaching during the pandemic, as well as they have created a library now of videos related to adaptive physical education and uh, Special Olympics that I think have been really well done. And we'll, we'll kind of get into those in a little bit uh, and, and talk about the how and the why and, and if they've been successful with this. So with that, we're gonna get started. And if you could both tell me a little bit about yourself and your background in teaching adaptive physical education. Okay, I'll go first. I'm Dave Martinez and I've been teaching adapted physical education for I think this is my 26th year. So I earned my bachelor's degree from the University of South Florida in Tampa in physical education and a master's degree with an emphasis in adapted physical education from USF as well. And I also have earned a specialist degree in um, coaching pedagogy from Valdosta State University. I started my career in Pasco County, Florida back in 1994. And actually during that time, the state of Florida had a certification in adapted PE. Then I moved in 1998 to Georgia, hoping to find a job as an adaptive PE teacher. And that's when I quickly learned that Georgia did not have a special teacher certification in adaptive PE. So that first year, I wasn't able to get a job in adaptive physical education in the Cherokee County School District. So I worked diligently in trying to advocate for a position. So the following year, the 99-2000 school year, I was given an opportunity to start an adapted PE program for the district, and I've been working, working in that position ever since. It's been a very rewarding opportunity to build and develop an adapted PE program. And saying that, I'm your typical itinerant adapted PE teacher. I travel to several schools every day, provide direct services to my students in a variety of settings, self-contained settings with peer facilitators. I team teach with general physical educators. I collaborate and consult with general physical educators. Um, you see, I'm also the fitness gram coordinator in our school district. The fitness gram is a mandated assessment in Georgia. So as a result, I'm, you know, continuously helping general physical educators come up with appropriate accommodations to the fitness gram or even help them conduct the Brockport physical fitness test in situations where the fitness gram is not a valid measurement. Um, that's, that's about it in a nutshell. Um, just your typical itinerant adapted PE teacher that lives out of, out of my car, traveling to several schools every day. I'm going to uh, real quick interject and ask a, a follow-up question. One of the most frequent uh, questions or, or comments I get from teachers that listen to the podcast are kind of like, this is all really great stuff that you're giving us, but you know, we don't really have, like we have a, we have almost like a quote unquote APE program, but it's really just 
you know, not really existed in the school. What, how were you successful? And just, I know it's not the topic today, but how are you successful in, in kind of creating that position for yourself so quickly? You know, I was very, very um, blessed, if, if you will, to be part of a, of a program uh, a teacher development program from the University of South Florida. It was actually headed by Dr. Lou Bowers. And um, at the time, he was a heavy hitter in adaptive PE. Um, in fact, uh, he was one of the founders of the National Consortium for Physical Education for Individuals with Disabilities. So he's a well-known um, professional in the field. And one of the things that he really instilled in us was um, knowing federal laws um, as pertain to adapted physical education. And, and being very familiar with the law. So that way you can go out and advocate. So for me, the advocacy piece was really big in, in starting a program. So what I did was I spoke with the special education supervisor um, during the time and, and kind of presented a problem. But the problem is we don't have an official adapted PE program in our county, which um, we, we need to be um, in compliance with IDEA, Section 504, um, ADA, et cetera, um, but I'm the solution. So let's think about, you know, the, the importance of adaptive physical education for kids with disabilities and how I can be in that role to make certain that our students are receiving appropriate um, services in adaptive PE. So it was, it was really my knowledge in the laws and um, kind of presenting a problem, but also a solution. I don't ever like to present a problem without the solution. So that was kind of that was kind of my philosophy in getting it started. That's really great. I am huge on on uh, uh, me giving problems with no solutions. So it's good that you're that you're doing uh, the the other. Uh, that's probably a lot more helpful. Uh, Amy, do you want to talk a little bit about yourself and and um, your background in AP? Sure, and 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 thank you for having us. Um, we've we've been kind of looking forward to this, so um, it'd be a good time. Um, Yes, my name's Amy Anschbacker. Um, I've been teaching for 29 years. That's still hard to believe. Um, I received my undergraduate from Kennesaw State University and my master's from University of Alabama um, and my specialist from Lincoln Memorial. Um, I've also had my national, um, I'm nationally certified in adaptive physical education. Um, I began teaching um, health and physical education um, to elementary school students, um, you know, straight out of college. And I was in a unique situation. I was teaching general PE and also um, adaptive PE because we, I was at a center school. There were two center schools in the county at that time. Um, in 1999, the center schools were dissolved and the special um, education students, they were moved to their home schools. And that's when Dave um, came in and advocated for the itinerant APE um, teacher job. Um, he became the first itinerant teacher in the district. And after teach, I went and I taught in Australia for a year. And then when I came back, I was able to join him in 2005, where I've been um, teaching solely APE. Um, currently, I teach pre-K-12 um, students with disabilities. I travel, like Dave was saying, five to six schools a day, teaching self-contained, co-teaching, collaborating with general physical education teachers. Um, I think what else? Um, in addition, you know, to, to teaching, um, Dave and I, we also volunteer to coordinate one of the largest, pretty proud of this, um, Special Olympic programs in the state of Georgia. Um, we created a partnership with our school district that recognizes uh, our organization as um, 
you know, sporting opportunities for students with disabilities. And this partnership has also allowed us and our athletes um, to earn varsity letters while in high school. Uh, they're also able to attend sporting banquets and uh, for the state champions to be recognized uh, uh, by the school board. So we, you know, we, we think that advocate piece is um, pretty important. That's huge that all your kids are getting letters and being recognized. I think, you know, uh, something that is often um, still lacking even after Titania McFadden uh, advocated for that, uh, I think, 10 years ago now. So that's wonderful that you're doing all that. That's It sounds like you all are being, uh, you know, great advocates for the field in your area. So it's wonderful to hear. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit now. I want to shift and talk a little bit about the, the, the pandemic that we're all going through. Right now we're talking, uh, we're about a week away be before Thanksgiving. Um, and, you know, the pandemic is definitely ramping up, I think, across the country right now. Uh, and, I, you know, as I said before, I know that you, you two are teaching kind of all different styles or, or all the different modes that are occurring right now. And I wanted to see, you know, first off, how, how has the pandemic impacted your day-to-day -day task and your job in general? Do you want me to go, Dave? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, you know, our school system gave parents and the students a choice to go face-to-face -face, um, instruction or virtual instruction. Um, you know, so, so that, that's a good thing. Um, it's definitely added to our workload, you know, as, as we teach all of our classes face-to-face, -face, but in each class we have students that chose that virtual um, learning method. Um, and we're also responsible for that. So our workload is basically doubled. You know, we, we chose to produce videos based, um, based on our student needs. Um, we also thought it was important for them to see and interact with us instead of just sharing a link to a random video that we found on the internet. Um, it, it's been really exciting and Dave and I have actually had a lot of fun doing it. Um, I guess some other day-to-day -day tasks, things that have changed uh, because of COVID, we have to be more diligent with um, sanitizing our equipment, which, you know, can be time consuming um, after each class, you know, it takes about five to 10 minutes to clean before leaving the class. And that may not seem like a lot of time, but when you're already rushed to drive to another school, every minute counts. Um, you know, we added it up the other day, cleaning and sanitizing takes up almost an hour of our day when you combine it all together. Um, another, um, I guess, issue for me anyway is um, wearing my mask is, is hard around some of my students. I, I like my students to be able to see my facial expressions um, and to see my mouth when pronouncing words. Uh, we, we do use the clear mask, but they fog up and are hard um, to do when exercising. Um, and some of my students like to uh, grab the mask off my face, which <laughs> it can, can kind of be hard at times, but those are just a few of um, things that have impacted me, I guess, on my day to day. And, and to kind of add on to what Amy was speaking about is the social distancing piece. I think that's a little difficult as well. Um, when you're teaching face to face is we're trying to do our best to make certain that our students are distanced within the physical education environment. And so that's taken some, some thought in, in creating lesson plans that allow for that to happen. Yeah, and I, I mean, uh, we're doing face-to-face -face at my university, uh, and I, you know, I'm going out, well, I'm not going out to schools, but I'm sending some of my students out to schools. They now film themselves versus me going out to the schools, and social distancing, I think, in PE is a, is a difficult thing in, in itself. 
especially when you're probably working with kids with disabilities. I, I you know, just as a follow-up, how, how do you, I, I really don't know how, how students with disabilities are, are handling this right now. Um, are, are you all doing specific things to try to talk to them about the pandemic? And, and how, have you noticed any impact on their social or emotional kind of health? For the students that we see face to face, I haven't really noticed any huge impact on their um, on their behaviors from that regard. But I do really worry about the social isolation that's experienced by many of our students that are receiving virtual instruction. And I haven't seen them. I haven't seen them since you know um, near the mid mid to the end of last year. So that social isolation isolation has really been difficult. I know it's a hefty impact on several of our students and really goes beyond our students as well, our Special Olympians. As Amy mentioned, we have one of the largest Special Olympics programs in the state of Georgia, and we haven't been able to compete since last January. And that, that's not just competition, but practices as well. And you know, the Special Olympics is such an important aspect of, of our athletes' physical and social health. So it's been really I would say devastating for, for several of our athletes that haven't been able to get together. And, and when I say we compete and participate year round, I really mean that after every season, we bounce right into another season. So there's really no downtime. Um, our, our athletes are very active in our Special Olympics program. So that's been hard. That isol- isolation um, has been very difficult for so many of our athletes and students. Absolutely. Um, I'm worried as well about, you know, a lot of like Special Olympics or or programs like that that are grassroots uh, often. Um, Having all this time off, it's going to be difficult to, you know, maybe get started again um, with, you know, just because those things are are often, you know, led in in a kind of organic and, and, you know, way without a ton of funding or, or, you know, it's around people's schedules and all these things. So I, yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Um, it's, I, it's, uh, it does seem to be devastating for, for many people. So, so during this time, uh, you know, we, we've already highlighted a few of your challenges. Uh, and let's go a little bit more in depth on that. So you talked a little bit about your face-to-face having to clean and so on and so forth. What, what are your, uh, what are your, some of your, what, what is online learning look like right now for you all and and what are some of the challenges that you've seen so far Uh, i think for me personally i think one of the biggest challenges is is making certain that we're able to meet um iep goals and objectives Uh, so many of our iep goals and objectives as you know are are related to a face-to-face environment so that's hard to replicate in a virtual setting Um, so of course contingency plans are developed so that way students are still receiving physical education, but there's perhaps a little bit of leniency as far as targeting a very specific goal, such as the student will independently walk around the basketball court four out of five times or or something like that as an example. You you can't do that in the home virtual setting. Um, So so that part has certainly been a challenge. Um, No, I was gonna say, I think another challenge for us too is that our students often have to rely on someone else in their house to, um, you know, navigate the computer. And if they don't have that, um, 
that help, then they're not going to be able to access our lessons. Um, and, you know, we've had to make phone calls to parents and guardians, you know, reminding them that they do need to um, help them with this and they do need to get on on the computer. Our, our school district has done, I think, a, a, an amazing job in making certain that students have access to technology. And if they don't, they're able to give them resources to be able to get online uh, through um, checking out of laptops or, or even having personal hotspots so they can get online. Each one of our students in the county have, has access to the Canvas learning management system and the Microsoft suite, which includes Word, OneNote, PowerPoint, Excel, et cetera. But what Amy mentioned is key for our students with more severe disabilities, they still are reliant um, on a parent or a family member to help them get online. So that, that part's very difficult to maneuver through. Um, I would say another thing that I think organically happens in a face-to-face -face class is that social-emotional learning component and just the natural high fives and fist bumps and, and um, spontaneous praises that occur in a face-to-face -face setting where it's hard to capture that. Um, well, you can't really capture it on a pre-recorded video that the student is watching, but it's, it's really hard to uh, capture that or try to make certain that's taking place um, as often as you would like it to, especially for those students that I mentioned before that are kind of socially isolated at this time. Absolutely. I, you know, I got a, a email about two months ago. It was from a APE teacher and, you know, sometimes they reach out and ask for, um, you know, different recommendations and such. And um, this one kept me up at night a little bit. And it was, I have like three students, they have a severe and profound disability. Um, how do I provide physical education services to them uh, in, a in a completely virtual setting? And, uh, you know, I emailed them back and I basically said, I don't know. And that, that bothered me that I, you know, and, and I don't know, but uh, do, would you, are you all having any successes or I'm sure there's lots of challenges as well. Can, have you experienced anything like that with kids with like more severe and profound disabilities? Sure. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, when, when you think about our students with profound intellectual disabilities, for example, you know, you really rely heavily on that um, prompting techniques, right? Such as hand over hand prompting and so forth. And I just, I, I haven't found a really good solution for that in a virtual setting. Um, you know, many of the videos that you spoke about earlier that we share on YouTube, that that's, those are, those are ones that we feel like most teachers can kind of globally use, but for some of our students that have more unique, perhaps more unique disabilities or, or learning needs, we, we have to create a, a video or a learning segment that meets their specific needs. So another challenge is, is just, having the time to do that. I mean, it's, it's, it's very um, time consuming to produce a video and, and the videos and, and learning um, type of situations that we try to, to produce, we want them to be very engaging and specific to the students' needs, but engaging to kind of help them stay connected. And it just takes time. So that certainly is, is a challenge. Um, an additional challenge that I really think that's worth mentioning um, for students that are receiving virtual lessons is, is, is the lack of peer facilitator uh, resource. You know, um, Amy and I use peer facilitators in most of our face-to-face -face classes. 
And, you know, they're such a huge resource in those face-to-face settings. They, they offer so many benefits such as friendship building and modeling appropriate behaviors, increased social in, initiations. You know, the benefits are vast, but unfortunately I, I haven't found a really good way to um, replicate this in a virtual setting. So we focused a good amount on the challenges and I think that we're, you know, you know, we wanted, we're all aware that there's a lot of them. Um, but I wanted to see if, if there were any successes that you've had that you would like to highlight as well during this time. You know, I think it's really gotten us out of a routine, um, you know, that, that, you know, you kind of get into, um, and it's made us really think outside the box. Uh, once this all kind of came down and, you know, we started brainstorming about the different ways um, to deliver material, you know, it just got bigger and bigger and we're actually having a lot of fun with it now. Um, some successes, um, um, you know, because some of the students uh, chose to go um, virtual, um, our face-to-face classes are a little bit smaller. Um, and this has allowed us to spend a little bit more time with those students, um, get to know them a little bit better. Um, some challenges, you know, as I mentioned before, I think probably the biggest one for me is, you know, that most most of our students are um, participating or unfortunately, you know, they have to rely on help with the computer. And if they don't have that help, um, you know, they can't access the lessons. And so that's probably one of the biggest challenges there. But um, the success, I guess, would be smaller class sizes, face-to-face class sizes. Another, another success from, from my opinion is um, I, I've always valued collaborating with professional colleagues from different disciplines. And, and I feel like COVID has really opened the door to this type of relationship building and, and collaboration. For example, uh, for example, one of the downsides of COVID is that community-based instruction activities have been put on pause in our district. But through collaboration, Amy and I were able to collaborate with two of our special education teacher colleagues, and we actually created a virtual CBI field trip to a grocery store. And the theme of it was shopping for Thanksgiving dinner. So the two special educators focused on functional skills necessary to shop, such as price comparison, uh, price comparisons, asking for help to locate a certain item from a store associate, locating items on shelves that are listed in alphabetical order, reading aisle signs, those types of things. And then Amy and I, from our adaptive PE um, expertise, if you will, we emphasize functional fitness movements that are involved with shopping, such as walking, bending, twisting, squatting, reaching, that sort of thing. So the collaboration piece has really been, I feel like enhanced as we all are trying to kind of maneuver through this COVID, we're kind of relying on each other to come up with innovative ideas and how to um, really kind of move forward past this point. That's a, those are great things to highlight. Yeah. uh, I I think that we absolutely have had to be a lot more creative and I, you know, I have found a a little bit more um, with the people that I work with, like some, shared experience that we're all going through as well that's kind of brought us all together um, in trying to work hard to get to overcome all the obstacles that we're seeing. And so so the videos that you're discussing, I, I, I have really been, uh, I, I have thought that they've been really, really high quality. And I actually have been sharing them with my college courses or my, a- my intro to APE course. So the introduction to APE course that, you know, I'm sure both of you had uh, has also been dramatically altered, right? So I, even though um, we're still doing face-to-face, 
Uh, we're not allowed to bring people on campus. We're not allowed to go as a large group to schools. Uh, you might have similar things, restrictions at your schools. Um, so, you know, we used to have this large practicum program as part of our university, and I think most universities have that. So, uh, this semester, what I tried to do is I tried, I reached out, well, I had schools reach out to me really saying we need resources, we need videos, we need, you know, Zoom meetings, whatever. Uh, and so I tried really hard. And so we, I tried to teach, you know, junior undergrad PE uh, majors how to create videos for kids with disabilities. And uh, each kid was assigned three to five kids and they had to create a video that met all their needs. And, uh, I was struggling with this because this is all, you know, brand new to me too, right? And uh, seeing your videos, I, that's what I started highlighting because you all do a really nice job of here's an activity, here's a game, and here are different ways to uh, achieve the game depending on what, you know, the unique things that are going on with the individual, such as you all, you know, to get this one, you can also use a ramp. You can all, you know, this is a different way that you can get a point. Uh, so I, again, I have been highlighting those things into my classes. And to me, they are by far the best example of what a, a video of adaptive physical education services should look like. Because again, it's not only is it high quality, it's energetic, um, but, and, and has cool games and activities, but also has levels and modifications with it, within it seamlessly put in. So I've been very impressed and the amount that you're putting out is great too. So with that, what led you to start creating these and, and at the volume and such that you're creating them? Well, well yeah, you sure. didn't mention our, um, excellent acting. Um, I was kind of disappointed by, you know, not saying how, how great our acting is, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> that was, that was so, sarcasm. <laughs> I, it's very good. It's very good. I can, yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, how we kind of came about this, um, as I think you already know, our county was already prepared um, in a way for the pandemic. Uh, we had digital learning days already in place for inclement weather days um with the use of canvas and so we already had that up and going uh, so we were really able to start teaching immediately as soon as we were shut down and it was pretty seamless um, we did have to work fast on creating and producing more videos which i said before was a lot of fun uh, but you know, we were already kind of prepared for it in a way. So it wasn't like we were starting from scratch. So we were very, very fortunate um, in that respect because I know a lot of counties around us um, struggled for several weeks before they could get anything um, really up and going. Um, you know, I, I know we have this model for, that will keep the model obviously for inclement weather, but I wouldn't be surprised if um, down the road, if there wasn't an online virtual learning um, continue for those students at home who choose to. You know, as Amy mentioned, we, we were very fortunate to have the Canvas learning management system already in place. So we had kind of like the, 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 the skeleton there for us to be able to add content. The trick was having the content. Um, so what we quickly did was try to come up, brainstorm together as I don't, I don't know if anyone really knows this, but Amy and I are married. So that really does help out with the ability for us to brainstorm basically 24 seven. So it was, it was very important for us to 
first realize there's zero content in adaptive PE for this type of virtual setting. So we need to create some stuff. Um, so that's what we started doing. And through that, we found a couple of apps. Uh, Dr. McNamara, 100% of every video that we've posted has been exclusively videoed and edited on my iPhone. I haven't really used a computer for any of it. So it's amazing what apps are available and that's really helped out a lot. But recognizing from the very beginning through reading discussions on Adapted PE Facebook pages that there really isn't any content that that was that was a tricky part. So that kind of motivated us to produce content. And I thought one day, I thought, you know, maybe I'll share this on a Facebook page. And I got a pretty good response. And I thought, well, maybe I should share some of my other videos as well. And um, it's, it's amazing the feedback that I've received from so many of our Adaptive PE colleagues from, uh, from around the United States. So that, that certainly has been a motivator for me to continue to do it because I know I'm not only teaching our students in Cherokee County, but to be teaching, and I've heard this before, uh, students in Anchorage, Alaska, or California, and, and other places, and that's that's really been a very cool experience, knowing that I'm, you know, helping to deliver instruction to students that I don't even know, and I'll never even meet face to face, but at least I'm doing a part to contribute to our to our profession in that small way. Dave, tell me about your special request that you've gotten. There was um, so. In the beginning, Amy and I were doing a lot of videos with green screens, and um, and one of our one of our feedback statements stated, um, "Thank you for for doing the kayak canoeing um, experience." So many of my students have never been in a canoe, and they've never um, even been down a river, or you know, been to a, a large body of water for that matter. So thank you for doing that. So that was kind of a motivator, and and then we received another comment about. My kids sure would like to know what it feels like to ride on a roller coaster. Is there any way you can help me with building one of those um, activities? And that kind of motivated me to do to do a, a roller coaster arm movement type of um, exercise and experience for our students. So that was that was kind of cool knowing that here again, I'm not only teaching my students but other students from across the U.S. Um, another piece that kind of opened up that I didn't really realized was going to happen from the very beginning, um, but I got feedback from parents on this, was not only did the activities help the child be active in the home, but it also provided a means of escapism. Like I said before, so many of our students are, have been in their homes for many, many months now, and um, outside of school, they really don't go to many places outside of their home. So, um, Amy and I have really been thoughtful in creating our lessons that also they're not only um, geared towards the physical education piece, but they're kind of funny and humorous and it allows the student to kind of escape from their isolated reality that they're kind of in during these COVID times. Absolutely. And, and as I said, you're saying how your reach again, like I'm using it in my college course. So you're, um, you know, they're, they're not learning from the, co the content, but they're learning the, the kind of the recipe that you've all created. Um, and, and so, yeah, your, your reach is really large uh, and they are really well done. And I think your point about like my kids never been on a kayak uh, or even, you know, your video about grocery shopping, 
and going out into your own specific community, you're kind of showing a different lens of for students that might be um, more quote unquote confined in their chair or something, you're showing a different kind of view of those things. So you are doing some interesting things out there. I, and so with that, um, I, I did want to know, and, and you kind of talked a little bit about this, but you know, I, I've watched a, a number of your videos and I did want to know, how are you choosing the different content and the different modifications that you are highlighting in the videos? Because obviously there's a plethora of, of both of those items. So how are you kind of choosing which ones to do and maybe which ones not to do? Some of the things that have motivated me as far as content is concerned is in a lot of ways trying to reinforce what is happening in, in, the, in the classroom. So for example, Amy and I put together a couple of um, videos that not only go over gross motor skills, but they also take place in a local park because they're talking about local parks in the classroom. So we're able to tie in some cross-curricular pieces. So that that is one of the things that we kind of take into consideration. Um, I currently have a video that's going to release soon that I'm editing now, but it has to do with force concepts. So applying force to an object to make it move. That's a concept that they're learning in the classroom. So I made a tie into that with some of our adapted PE videos. So, so that's kind of like what guides some of our videos. As far as the modifications are concerned, we just think about our classes, um, the majority of the students that we teach, and keep that in mind and, and, and think about, well, how can Mary do this activity? She's not gonna be able to do it maybe the traditional way, but there is a way for her to do it. So let's kind of include an, an adaptation that is suitable to meet her needs and, um, and is appropriately challenging for her. So that's kind of how we frame our thought process as far as the modifications that we use in the videos. So my, uh, my next question is, and this will get a little bit more in our, maybe the philosophical pieces of it is, do you think that videos and, and high quality ones like the ones you're creating can successfully deliver physical education content to students with disabilities? Um, I, I would have to say, um, a resounding no to that. That's just my opinion. I, th I think that Amy and I have done um, a decent job in trying to present physical education content to the best of our abilities based on the resources and knowledge that we have now. But um, for me, Dr. McNamara, there's nothing that can replace the face-to-face -face interaction and the ability to not only develop the psychomotor domain and the cognitive domain, but also that affective domain and social emotional learning. And that just naturally occurs in a face-to-face -face setting. That motivation, that getting to know the students and building a rapport that's beyond this, that requires more than just uh, computer interactions. You really need that face-to-face. -face. And really- yeah, just even the, the student interaction and then having the friends club in there too. I mean, there's so much going on. And of course, um, because Special Olympics is such a big part of our um, responsibilities, um, you can't do sports. Um, you need that face-to-face -face interaction to really conduct a quality sport program. I mean, you need to be around other people to compete and you need to be with your team to interact, to be able to develop the skills that are required for that particular sport that you're, that you're engaged in. 
So what, if any, do you think is the relevance of the videos that you created and, and are creating in a year from now? Or, or hopefully in a year from now or less than. <laughs> well, my, my hope is, is that the, the state that we're in now will soon be better and we'll be able to get back to, to um, the normal that we all were accustomed to prior to, to COVID. That's my hope. And that's why I think all, all of our hopes, but um, the relevance of our videos now, I think will be great reinforcers for, students to use or parents to use um, in situations where they can't be in school. Um, as Amy mentioned, our school is already set up for digital learning days through the Canvas learning management system. Because what would you say, Amy, we typically have two or three, sometimes up to five inclement weather days. So yes. we already have we already have content that we can use for inclement weather days. And as a result, we'll continue to make more video content because we will always have inclement weather days. So um, I can really see these videos being used for that, those inclement weather digital days and also reinforcement for students that uh, may temporarily be out on hospital homebound or may um, be recovering from surgery or just may want to have an activity to do at home with their family. I think I think this could be a great way to promote our, I'm sorry, Amy, I was, uh, was going to say this could be a great way to promote our adaptive PE program to, um, to families at home. They can watch these videos and kind of share their adaptive PE experience with their family members. I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Dave. Um, no problem. Just kind of adding to what he was saying. Uh, I, I think with some of my classes too that I see face to face, I see them two days a week, but I know that on Fridays, the teachers are also showing an, adapt an adaptive PE video on Friday for an activity. So, you know, that's every little bit helps. I mean, any, any extra that they can get um, this past summer, the school system used some of our videos for the extended school year um, program that they have over the summer. So I can, foresee them continuing to do that, providing that, um, the adaptive PE piece in the summer to our students. And, and brain breaks during the school day as well. I think sometimes mm -hmm. teachers are always looking for kind of like a little movement break in, in between content that they're delivering in the classroom. And I think these videos could kind of fit nicely in that regard as well. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I have thought a lot about that, too. I think summer, I think, you know, especially with, um, you know, in the Midwest snow days and such, and also uh, summer. I mean, we know for a fact that students often regress over the summer. So rather than using the videos as a quote-unquote knowledge acquisition piece, we use them as a maintenance piece, right? So that right. they're not regressing when we see them in, in August and September, and, and hopefully we have the same, you know, we're, we're working with the same level of learning versus having to reteach your first, um, you know, whatever, your, the things that you're supposedly teaching in the last year. Um, so yeah, that's, that's good. Those are all good thoughts. Do you, do you plan on continuing to create these videos or do you think you'll kind of use the, the ones that you've created now in the future? It, for, for me, it's, it's been a lot of fun and I'm, I'm motivated to continue to create new videos. If, if, if for anything, 
uh, like we mentioned for those uh, inclement weather days. I, I, I would, I wouldn't want my students to kind of get bored doing the same old thing, you know, we, so we want to kind of continuously build new content. So that way they, they have those, those uh, new experiences as well. And maybe our acting will get better over time as well. No, no guarantees <laughs> on that. Yeah, I, I think you're doing just fine. And they, they are fun. Uh, you bring a lot of energy. I mean, that's that's what, and I, again, like I highlight this stuff in my class and I say, look at these guys. We need to be excited as well. Um, and I think that, you know, um, I think the big thing is too, is like, you're not, we're not, or and you're not giving up. Um, I, I think that's something that I think some people that are fully going on virtual or, or at the beginning, at least for, um, you know, just kind of throwing their hands up and you all have really not done that and you're doing the face to face. Um, so, so with that, I, I just wanted to say thank you for, for coming on the show, uh, the podcast. I don't know if it's a show, but it's a, sharing your experiences and perspectives and, and also helping to create the things that we really need during this time. Uh, I think that they have been tremendously helpful and, and yes, maybe not that they're teaching the PE content to where we were doing it a year ago, but uh, providing something that wasn't there. So thank you. And, and thank you for having us on your podcast. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we appreciate all your advocacy efforts um, that you've done for now going on close to what, five or six years through your podcast. It's, it's a great way to advocate for adapted physical education. And we appreciate your efforts in that as well. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for being on the thank show. You. You're very welcome. Awesome. Okay, gang, that's a wrap. And I, that, that was awesome. Thank you very much. Thank